Amen. God deserves it all, doesn't he? He is on the throne. He's exalted above all things. We are a privileged people to belong to him, to belong to the Lord. And there's no better way to live. I'm not saying it's always easy. No, that's not, that's not what it's all about. It's just a fact that I don't know how to, I don't know how I would do. I, I don't think I'd do very well without the Lord. Right? And that's just blatantly honest. I think all of us have uh, know understand that by the grace of God we're saved. And that means that we come into the the word justification as if you've never sinned, that just blows us away because how can we be like a dirty, dirty garment thing, so to speak, should have been thrown away. But God comes and says, you know, I'll, I, can, I can salvage. I can, I can make something new out of this. And what God does is he sees the potential in you when you don't see it yourself. God sees the value in you when you don't see it yourself. Absolutely. And so we've been going through John. I know it's, it's sort of basic. How many know that the basics is, we shouldn't forget about the basics. I know there's just, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, maybe there's some subjects that are pretty interesting and out there. And, you know, we can, we get, we like to discuss in Sunday school. I love it when we ask hard questions. What, why does one die and another one doesn't, you know? Those are hard questions. And so, uh, but all in all, God is in control. I don't have to make those decisions. That's in God's hands. In fact, the matter is I, I sometimes maybe carry more than I ought to when it comes to worrying about my kids. Are they okay? Are they going to make it? Are they going to, you know, are they going to be safe? You know, what about all these things? And we could just worry ourselves to a frenzy, right? I'm speaking out of I have four kids, so, you know, we're getting close to the empty nest thing. And I was just saying, wow, is he that old? And, uh, yeah, actually, I started kind of late in life. Um, I married at 27 and had kids five years in. You know, five years later, we started having kids. So I was like 30-something when I had Cody. Well, my wife had him. We had him together. So forth. Anyway... My oldest son is 27 years old. Imagine that. I was 27 when I got married. Yeah, dear. <laughs> and so 27, some of you kind of think back, what were you doing when you were 27? Uh, some of you don't want to talk about what you were doing when you were 27. Well, those are some good years. Every year is a good year. Every day is a good day. With Jesus. I don't know what you've been through this week. I don't know what you've been through last year or the years before. God knows where he wants to take you. It's not about the past is in the past. I mean, we learn from the past. We learn often mostly from our mistakes. Right? Oh, you don't make mistakes? I'm teasing you. 
I'm trying to warm up a little bit. The Lord loves you just the way you are, but he wants you to have more of him. He wants you to understand more who he is so that you can walk closer to him. So we get into this big word, justification. We move over here, sanctification. That is a word that's describing the rest of our life, time here on earth, that it will take us to get better, better, and better, meaning better at temptation, getting better at the, uh, putting the flesh in its place, so to speak, like Paul talked about. Well, here we are, John chapter 6. We had just went through last week at John's Gospel chapter 5. We described a story of the situation of a pool called Bethesda. How many say, can you say Bethesda three times in a row without tripping? The pool would stir by an angel of the Lord, and whoever got in first got healed. How about that? Wow. And this man had been there for years and years. Jesus comes along and says, do you want to get healed? How come, you know, it's like, what? Why would Jesus ask that question? Of course he wants to get healed. He's there for how many years? But he had no one to put him in the pool. So the man is thinking, there's nobody to put him in the pool. How many knows that Jesus doesn't need anyone to help him heal? Jesus is the healer. So long story short, the man is healed by Jesus. He goes back rejoicing. Uh, The whole uh, people of religious denominations, Pharisaic exactly, were quite uh, riled, stirred up, because Jesus healed on a Sabbath. A man is carrying his pallet, so to speak. And you don't do that, and that was the law. So they weren't ready for that change yet. And Jesus described to them, even made him more riled up. He said, well, my father and I are working. What did you say? You just made yourself equal with God. So that was a blaspheming So now all the more the Pharisees are riled up and they're angry. And Jesus always seemingly had a way of escaping from the crowd or from the riot. I happen to believe that there was some supernatural, and we're going to see this chapter, some supernatural things that were going on in Jesus' life. So the first part of the chapter 6 of John starts this way. These things Jesus, uh, after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the sea. It's like, I just need to get away. But you know what happened? The crowds were gathering. A great multitude, verse 2, was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. So these people were curious, what is he going to do next? This is like the greatest show on earth. They were curious. At the same time, the Passover, the Feast of the Jews, was at hand. 
And Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes, this whole crowd of people, about 5,000 plus, because that was just the men. Jesus is going to do something. You know what it is. Jesus sees the crowd, and he says, have them sit down. We got to feed them. Boys, what are you going to do to feed them? Right? Well, what do you mean? We have nobody brought anything. Except there's a little boy over here. He, he, he thought to bring a lunch. Right? Five loaves, two fish. What's that going to do for 5,000 plus, probably 10,000 people? What is that? And so Jesus is testing them. Philip answered, verse 7, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient. But what is a denarii? A denarii is about a day's wages back. Whatever, it wasn't very much. But 200 of them might come close to feeding them. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves, two fish. But what are these for so many people? It's like he's thinking, this is, this is never going to work. This is never going to make, this is going to be just an embarrassment. Why should we even try? Why should we even believe that today we're going to really talk about is faith? And our brother Jeff read verses that talked about faith in Hebrews. Faith is believing in something that is not there yet. Faith is fixing your hope on something that is not yet. Faith is seeing someone change before they change for God's good, goodness and glory. Amen? Seeing them already healed before you actually, but just by faith. And so what Jesus does here is what he does, does the, he does so often that he takes the little bit of stuff, the little bit of faith, the little bit of, if you just give me something, you've got to at least give me something. You've got to at least start with what you have. It doesn't do them any good, do anyone any good to say, well, there's no use to start anything. There's no use to, we, we can never get off the ground. Amen. But God, but God, but God, being rich in his mercy and his love, forgave us. When the enemy said, I've got you now, Jesus. You're dead in the grave. No way, man. No way, Satan. Jesus storms out of that tomb with all the glory and all the power and all the splendor because he fulfilled the prophecy over and over throughout scripture see that he would he would come back to life and he said early in the beginning of the of the story of Adam and Eve that satan would bruise Jesus on the heel remember that god would bruise satan on the head and took the blow. That's what happened. And so Jesus demonstrates his power, his grace. Isn't it interesting? 
the compassion of our Lord. These guys are hungry. I think they'll be better listeners if we feed them. Isn't that an interesting that Jesus understands our human need, that he understands human weakness, that he understands our attention span, that he understands what it will take to get our attention. And so he begins to say to the, to the disciples, begin to pass these out. Now, what's going to happen? The disciples, are they going to have to say, oh, this is not going to be enough, or are they just, they obeyed. They begin to step out. Kind of like the children of Israel when they stepped into the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant. The priests were there wondering, what do you mean, step into the Jordan? This thing is roaring. This thing is at its flood stage. How can we just step in? Can you imagine being one of the priests? You've got to have faith. At the split second, the Lord parted the waters. And so what happens, and you know the story, Jesus multiplied and multiplied and multiplied the the little boys lunch until they had baskets, 12 of them left over. Our God is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly, above and beyond all that we ask or think. I can't think big enough when it comes to God. I fall short. I'm sure I don't pray the big prayers that I, I ought to, but I'm working at it. I'm I'm learning. I'm, I'm stretching. I'm trying to believe this is more than about just me. This was more than just about feeding this multitude. This was about changing the lives of the disciples' faith. Amen? Not only the crowd, but the people that were going to be used to launch the church. That God's master plan, he chooses people that are Ordinary people, people that would be somewhat too awkward to society, somewhat wouldn't be the ones that we would choose. God would choose them because he recognizes the potential that he can have. What is God interested in you right now? He's interested in your heart that says, I will trust you, I will seek you, that you'll need to be number one in my heart. It's not about your ability. We've heard this over and over. It's not about our ability. It's about being available. Availability. Saying, Lord, no matter what you want me to do, no matter, if you say, this is what I should do, then help me to do it. Help me by the grace of God. Go forward with it. And so, over throughout Scripture, over and over, you will find that there will be testings. Testings of faith. The reason, part of the reason I believe that we're tested is that we can grow spiritual muscles because we're not just going to stay in one place. If we're born again, we're what, a baby, right? We're going to develop. We're going to grow up to be the man or the woman of God he was way back already seeing. And Paul said, I put away, what do you say, childish things. And what are the childish things? The childish things is, I want that. The childish things is, oh, I want to get the credit. Or oh, it's self-centeredness, childish. You don't have to 
You don't have to teach a child how to be a child, right? That's my toy. You can't have that. That's some of the things God is working out of us. So we are not our own. We are not our own boss. And we bow down to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And look at it this way. If I can be a hand or a foot or an eye or an ear to the whole body, if I can contribute, if I can somehow encourage someone else, maybe they're more in the front lines. Maybe there's someone over here, you never see them on the podium, but they absolutely have a ministry that is so valuable that God observes and hears the cry and the wails and the intercession of people who have been called to be in the behind the scenes and sort of in the trenches. It's nobody understands and nobody really knows the depth that is in their heart. Those are the kind of people that I think are going to get the big rewards. And we don't even do it for that. But God will reward you. God is going to reward those according to your faithful. But faith is a it's one of those words where we, we say it a lot. We say it like, yeah, just have faith. Okay. I wish I had your faith. Oh, do you really know what I'm going to? Yeah, that, that's huge. I can't say to someone, I know what you're going to, unless I've been there. Just have faith. Wait a minute. Will you demonstrate to me what faith is? Jesus did that. Let me help you. The Word, John 1, became flesh, right? The Word is Jesus. The Word becomes flesh and dwelt among us. It's like God is in heaven. These guys need help. They're not getting it. And God plans this all before. It's one of those big questions. Why did God create the race? of mankind, if he knew he was going to have sin problem. But God did. That's his choice. But God sees that Jesus will have to die and give his life a ransom. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes, and John has got this theme running throughout, throughout his pages, whosoever believeth, or do you believe and over and over again, you see that there's a theme that do you believe? And people right now, one of the greatest challenges that we have in our world is that some people are having a hard time understanding Scripture. Is it really the absolute truth? Do they believe? Do they believe? Until we can get, by the help of the Holy Spirit, that convinces that, yes, this is Jesus, the one and only, the truth. This is the absolute truth. Until then, we are going to be waffling. But when we settle it and we say, you know what? This is the absolute truth. This is by, by the grace of God that we're saved. This is by the help of the Holy Spirit that I can even live and walk. And the fact that I can breathe today is by the grace of God. And faith will get you up in the morning. And then faith, when you don't feel like it, was because God said, trust me, that I will trust him. And if God says to me, 
feed these people. And we don't have money for that. And churches, we, we, we say, we don't have money for that. Well, then ask God for money. How about if we ask God for more so we can give more to missions, so we can help more people that are in need? If we ask God, He's a provider. And so He's like, don't make an excuse to Andrew, Andrew, don't go there. Don't say there's no use. Andrew, I am the Almighty. I am who I am. I created the fish that are in that basket or in that whatever he had. And just, you remember when you went to grade school? Did you ever take a sack lunch? Some of you guys. I always envied those kids that had the metal, fancy, maybe they had a cartoon figure. That was like, wow. I always had a brown bag. It was the same old thing. But I was thankful. Then we got to get, we, we, my English, we got to get, we got to where we could have hot lunch. Yeah. We were in. Cheese, grilled sandwiches, tomato soup. We got all this good stuff. And I remember, I still had friends who were carrying their sack lunch. I knew there was, they were hard up. They were, it was tough. And some of these kids would get picked on. They get picked, bullied, put down. You know what God does? He says, uh, I'm going to make something out of this boy. I'm going to make him a leader. In spite of what's going on in his life, in spite of what's the pain, I have great and mighty plans. In spite that he's messed up right now, he's not quite where he needs to be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead him out of that. I'm going to put people around him that's going to mentor him, that's going to pour into him. The church is, needs to understand that we're about getting one more, one more, and then one more, one more family, one more person, one more, because we begin to, we begin to sense this multitude, though they were physically hungry, they're actually spiritually more hungry than they knew. They did not know what they really needed was the bread of life, which later on we understand in this passage that Jesus speaks the word. He helps them understand. And they not only went away being satisfied physically, but they were satisfied in the inner man, in the soul. And until the soul thing is settled, until our inner man is at peace with God, we'll never be really, really happy. Amen? Can I hear an amen? We love Cross Lake. We love the lakes. We love the boats. We love the fishing. We love all this. It's God's gifts to us. None of that stuff really matters in comparison to the real thing. When you get to take Jesus on the boat, awesome. Take Jesus to the fishing place. Take Jesus when you walk into the marketplace. You are doing the work of the Lord. When you cause someone else to be encouraged just by your, your example, just by the fact that you spoke to someone, that they are just like, wow, a stranger talked to me. We have a lot of people that drift in in the summertime in Cross Lake. We, we love it because we can't drive on the streets. We can't get across the road. We love it. Some of us guys are like, huh? Well, I don't want the winter to come back so it can be peaceful. Yeah. Listen, 
God has these people. This is our opportunity to shine. This is our opportunity to feed people around us with the love of God. I'm not talking about, you can go out and probably try to offer food, but you're probably not going to get very far up here with that. So especially if people are going to the marketplace. It's just a lot of things that God, this, this situation here was unbelievable. Have them sit down. It's like, what? Have them sit down. Just relax, Andrew. Why are you so uptight? What's stressing you? I've come to learn, and I get stressed over stuff. I'll admit, I get anxiety over stuff. When I realize I'm anxiety is welling up, I'm realizing that I'm looking at it to my own strength. I'm trying to figure out this is going to happen before it happens. Is that faith? Don't think it's that great of faith, right? And I don't mean to be, you know, that everything is just hunky-dory. Everything is going to just, everything you do is going to prosper. I don't mean to say that. But I do believe this, that God, when God's in it, you'll know. God is in it. There's a peace that surpasses all understanding in spite of the setback. Right? In spite of something that happened, you weren't planning on this. Is now what do we do? Plan B. Well, they didn't have a plan. They didn't have a back. Jesus was their backup. Jesus had Andrew's back. Andrew, start feeding him. What? Could you just imagine the eyes of these guys? It's not running out. It's not. It's it. It keeps appearing. Unbelievable. Sort of reminds me of the prophet who spoke to the widow in the Old Testament. Get all the jars out of your house. We're going to fill them with oil. Keep filling, 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 filling. She got all the jars, every jar she could find. And everyone was filled until there was no more jars. Had she had more jars, more would have been filled. You just never know what God is going to do. When you say, Lord, here's my life. I'm going to trust you. Though my faith was tested, well, my faith is like sometimes, like we liken it to the song, come thou found, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. There's a verse in that, come thou found. Prone to wander. Sometimes, we just want to wander. We sometimes, oh yeah, I need to get back and pursue God. Pursue God. The difference of just having belief in God and having passion of pursuing God. And Paul described it. All this stuff all his training, all his education. He had been a Pharisee and taught. He had it all. He had learned it all. But he said, it's just a heap of rubbish in comparison that I might know him, that I might know him. Do I know his voice? Do I sense him whispering to do I sense sometimes he's speaking to me right like the, the words are leaping off the page? 
and it's Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And so number one, faith is trusting in the Lord when it doesn't make sense. When people are saying, no, you're crazy. And secondly, am I putting my trust, what am I putting my trust in, my abilities or his abilities? You know, faith lets, is letting go of what I can do and saying, I can only do what, with what you can do. I can only go as far as what you help me with. Faith is like realizing my limitation and realizing God has no limitation. Absolutely no bounds to what he can do. And God's heart is for winning one more and winning one more and growing them up in the Lord. And Andrew, I believe, made an advance that day. That the eyes of his heart were enlightened. That God did something for the people. That someday when he's in the ministry, when he's ministering, he remember what Jesus did. I love the word multiplication. Multiplication. Jesus said it, the Lord said it, and early in the book of Genesis, multiply, fill the earth, multiply, multiply, multiply. God is a multiplier. God is in the multiplying business. God is in multiplying your faith, multiplying you. You've passed that test. Now we're going to move on. Uh, consider it all joy. James 1 says that way. Consider it all joy. Well, what is joyful about trials? I can't, I can't think of really any except for the scripture because it produces endurance. Joy, let, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, right? There's a variety. One trial is not to say that you, your trial is not lesser. Your trial is important to God. But your trial, through your trial, God is saying, look to me. In fact, he goes on through James. He said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. One of the things that if we would learn, remember, if I'm in a trial, the first thing is, God, now what? What do I do here? Sometimes you don't know. You don't hear. You don't always hear like, okay. You hear, you hear silence many times, right? What does that mean? We're walking by faith. We're not walking by sight. Oh, he, he, put on, he puts us... Does it, have, you, have you ever seen visions? And maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But I have not seen a vision yet. But I'd like to. But often we don't see a vision, say this is the plan. Oh, that makes it so easy. But the people of God who walked with God, God led them in the wilderness. They literally had like God right there still stumbled. What is that all about? The Word of God needs to get in us, really in us, in us, and in us, and in us so much. Faith cometh a hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Right now, what's the most important thing to Jesus? The important thing is that you believe. I'm not even going to say it's have more faith. When you believe, you just believe and understand Jesus is my Savior. I'm want him in my life. 
That's the first of greatest step. That's the greatest miracle. That's the, you're convinced by the Holy Spirit. You're convicted by the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus. That's, that needs to be clarified over and over again. Otherwise, we turn to ourselves and say, well, I failed, but I'm going to try harder next time. And through my stronger effort of trying, I'm somehow going to win back what's been taken away from me. I'm going to earn back. And that doesn't work with God. God says, you believe. You're in. And I'm going to work with you from here on. I'm going to walk with you from day by day. Even though you stumble, I'm not going to let you throw out. I'm not going to throw you out. I'm going to pull you back. I'm going to do everything that I can. And sometimes God loses a few. God himself, sometimes some people too, but they're in God's hands. God is the final judge. But by the grace of God, we're going to try to win as many as we can. We're going to try to warn people that there is a road that leads to destruction. We need to get over here. We need to warn people there's a better way to live, not just to have joy and peace. Not only that, but because we're going to have eternal life. There is going to be a battle to the end, friends. I've never, we're never going to say we can relax. So to speak. We can relax. Don't get me wrong. But the war is not over yet. But you're going to win. God is going to win. God is going to have the final word. Satan is going to be put away a thousand years for, and then loosened and then back forever, forever, forever. We're going to reign with God. We're going to reign with him. What should I, what's the most important thing you need to know? Jesus loves you. Jesus understands your pain. Jesus wants you to realize you can't, you can't do it on your own. Some people say, well, you don't have enough faith. I don't like that phrase. I don't like that. I like to be the man, oh, Lord, help my unbelief. I'd rather be on the side where, you know what? I have faith, but I need to grow. I know I need to grow in advance. That I'm not satisfied where I'm at. That I sometimes see too much of Gary. My name, Gary. And I say, Lord, help me to, to, to walk in you. And it all comes back to my time. Am I in the vine? Am I connected? Am I drawing from him? You can be what he wants you to be when you're drawing from him. Let the faith begin to rise up. Let the inner man begin to, begin to reach out. Begin to call upon his name. What's the most important Someone said it like this, that I want him, that I want him, that I desire after him, that I know where I, I need, I know where my, my strength lies. The problem with Samson, when you know that story a little bit, is that he began to, he started out pretty well. Samson had supernatural strength. 
This guy could tear off the gates that were in the city and carry them several miles uphill, thousands of pounds. Unbelievable. That was supernatural. But what happened with Samson is he began to flirt with sin. Flirt with sin. Until he found himself bound and grinding. And so you can have a three-point sermon. right? Sin blinds. Sin binds. Sin grinds. It's Sin keeps people from becoming what they ought to be. But you know what? When we realize we've sinned, what does the Bible say? Confess. First John 1, 9. And mean it with all your heart. And so when I read David's account, and sin with the secret, the adulterous thing, you read Psalm 51, he prays a prayer. Help me to know wisdom in the hidden part. And what he's saying is change me as an inner man. Change my inner thoughts. Change me. Help me. Not only am I forgiven, then I will convert others to you. What he was saying is that when I've, when, when I've sinned is in our life, we don't have the passion. We don't have the passion to reach out. We're kind of just clouded. We're just kind of ashamed. God can take that away in a moment's time. Confess it. Please, Jesus, your blood takes it away. Not just covers it. It's gone forever. Let's take a moment to pray. We're going to come. We're going to sing a song after a bit, but let's take a moment to pray. Right here, right where you're at, right exactly where you're at in the name of Jesus. If you're here today, you need a new beginning or a fresh start, or maybe it's just a start at all with saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need I know I've maybe tried to do too much on my own. I tried to live in my own strength, but I fall short right now. I confess my sin. I confess my, my need for you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, come in, in my situation. Come into my heart in a fresh way. And pray that prayer if you're right in your seat where you're at. You can pray that prayer. Lord, come into my heart. I mean it. Mean it. Ask him. He's right there. He wants to come in. Please do that. Take a moment to step out. And Jesus, come into my life. And others, we've walked with the Lord many, many years. But we pray right now that we will walk, we will become more what you want us to be. And we'll not just be satisfied with this being the way we are. But we're pressing on. We're pressing on the greater things. So in Jesus' name, help us to push forward. Because we need you, Lord. Amen. We're singing one more song. I know Austin probably had to leave. Oh, you didn't get that song out for me. But is Ashley familiar? I need you. A simple force. I want us to make this like a prayer. And just really... Um, I appreciate Ty and Bridget with their music and just um, enjoy them. They're a treat. They're really a treat for me. And so, but when you get to know these guys, they got hearts of gold. They got, they got hearts that just want to serve. And they're, they're just great people. They love the Lord.